to the room, passing out hundred dollar bills, and it kills, and it thrills like the horns on What's up, Pioneers? Mr. Garbling jamming out to some country music, because I'm country. Hey, guys, glad to be here today. Hey, we are here today to talk about Chapter 18, Section 3. We're continuing on with the reform movement. Um, last podcast, we talked about prison reform. Um, and today we're going to take a look at education reform and how the education system was set up many years ago. Now, you need to understand today how lucky we are living in America, because here in America, everybody has the right to a free public education. And that's something that a lot of us, including myself, when I was younger, took for granted. There's many places all over the world where only the wealthy and the elite can afford or are able to go to schools. But to kind of give you a little backdrop and a little history, for a long time, few areas had public schools. You have to realize public schools are funded by taxpayer dollars. And because of that, many people did not want their tax dollars going to schools. So oftentimes, only the wealthy or the elite or the upper class were able to get schooling. And it was actually very common for kids not to attend school at all. Many kids were expected to stay at home um, and help out the family. You know, for a long time, many Americans were farmers. And so it was common for families to be large and for the children to be at home working with the family because people lived off the land. Okay. Now, as time went on, people started to realize since there were very few schools, there was a lot of kids that were getting into trouble. Okay, stealing, vandalizing. I mean, imagine yourself if if your parents were at work all day and you had nowhere to go and you're running around town, there'd be a lot of temptations. And that eventually happened. Okay. And so reformers started to believe and think that, you know what? We need schools because they're gonna they're gonna improve our society. They're obviously gonna make kids more intelligent, and they're also gonna provide structure for kids, a place for kids to go a routine for kids to have, okay? Now, Horace Mann, who was considered the father of public education, really began to promote public education. And he called for states to use tax dollars to build these schools. He felt it was extremely important that all kids should be able to attend. But here was reality. At most of these first public schools, it was only whites that were allowed to go, and specifically white males, okay? Even in the 1850s, in many places, there's only white males going to school, okay? Public education was not offered for everyone. Most girls and most minorities were not allowed to attend, or if they were allowed to attend, they were sent to a separate school, okay? And oftentimes, these separate schools for minorities and women were not equal. They didn't have the best textbooks. They didn't have the best technology. And they definitely didn't have the best teachers. Many of these schools were segregated. Okay. And oftentimes you, your wealth or the area you lived in really had a big impact on the type of school you would attend to. But early on, the important thing for us to understand is since schools today really do a couple of things. Number one, they educate society. And the more educated we are as a society, the more advanced we'll become. Secondly, truly, they give place a, a place for kids to go. Parents, most parents are working today. And so one of the great things in America is you cannot be, be denied an educational experience. Every child, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, doesn't matter if you're African-American, Asian-American, you have the right to attend a public school. And we're going to see how this education, although it wasn't perfect early on, like we said, mostly white males were going over time, 
the education was, was offered to all people. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one.